1: Online at KFUO.org.
0: Good afternoon and welcome to Concord Matters here on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. We're coming to you live on this Tuesday afternoon, December 18th. I'm your host for this program. I'm Pastor Charles Henriksen. I'm the pastor of St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Bon Terre, Missouri. If you'd like to find out more about our congregation, go to our website, stmatthewbt.org. And uh, today on our program of Concord Matters, as we work our way through the Book of Concord, the Lutheran Confessions, today we're going to be uh, talking about uh, Apology of the Augsburg Confession, Article 24, The Mass. And uh we invite your participation in our program. We have a toll-free number all across North America. That toll-free number is 800-730-2727. Again, 800-730-2727. And we have our local number here in St. Louis, area code 314 eight two one zero eight fifty again three one four eight two one zero eight fifty. You can also email us your comments or questions, the email address KFUO at KFUO.org. In the studio here with us, uh, first of all, is Pastor Steve Reardon and tell the folks where you are pastor. Um,
2: I am pastor of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Wildwood, Missouri.
0: Wildwood, also known as Grover Pond, that whole uh, that's area. That's exactly right, that whole area, yeah.
2: Glencoe, right, yeah. that whole Good. area. And
0: um, how are things going for you this Advent? Busy? Yeah, things are busy,
2: but things are going very well. Very, very happy to be do out there. Do you have special services uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day? We do. Coming up Christmas Eve, we have our Sunday School program, which is actually probably one of the better attended pro- services that we have throughout the course of the year. That's at 7 p.m. on Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day at 9 a.m. Good. And our, is, do you have a web presence? Yeah, St. Paul's
0: Lutheran Church-Wildwood.com. Very good. Glad to have you here today. And then, uh, not in the studio for a change, but on the phone, do we have our mobile traffic reporter on the line? <laughs> here I am from
1: Skycopter 1. <laughs> <laughs> this is the familiar voice of Pastor Warren Worth. Warren, give us a traffic update. The traffic update is the traffic is terrible out there. Interstate 270 is all backed up. I-55 was backed up. Lindbergh was backed up. There must be some kind of traffic accident. So I managed to turn around and get back to Arnold and uh, you called me here at the church, and I think that's what we're going to have to do today because uh, Skycopter 1 can't stay in the sky too much longer.
0: You know, and the weather is beautiful here in St. Louis. There's no precipitation, no ice or snow or anything, nice yeah, great temperatures. great
1: visibility and so on, but, uh, you know, it's that time of year, people get in a hurry. Yeah, yeah. Well, Warren, uh,
0: tell the folks about Good Shepherd and Arnold and uh, how things are going there, and do you have special services coming up?
1: Very good, thank you. Yes, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church is located at 2211 Tenbrook Road in Arnold, Missouri. And we have Sunday services at 9 a.m., Sunday school and Bible class at 10.30. The last of our three Wednesday evening Advent services is Wednesday, December 19th at 7 p.m. On Christmas Eve, we have worship at 5 p.m., that's our candlelight service, and then 10 a.m. on Christmas Day. And so our listeners in the area are certainly invited to join us as we celebrate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, his birth and nativity. We celebrate that with uh, all the saints.
0: And your website?
1: Our website is goodshepherdarnold.org.
0: Very good. I want to tell our listeners... um, we have our third of the three midweek uh, Advent services at St. Matthew in Bonterre tomorrow at four o'clock. But then I've also Pastor Marcel asked me to help out a little bit at his church in Fenton uh, for their midweeks. So uh, I'll also be preaching at Our Savior in Fenton tomorrow Wednesday at seven p.m. If somebody if it's too long for you to drive out to Bonterre. You can uh, meet one of your radio hosts (laughs) in person at Our Savior Fenton tomorrow at 7 p.m. And then at St. Matthew and Bontier, we have our Christmas Eve candlelight service at 7 p.m. And then on Christmas Day, we have the festival divine service at 9 a.m. All right, I think we got all the plugs in here, boys. Um, So we're talking about Article 24 of the Apology, the Mass, And uh, Pastor Steve Reardon, what do we mean by the
2: Mass? Well, pretty much I think we could equate it to the divine service.
0: Yeah, Yeah, word and sacrament. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And particularly focusing on the the ceremony and action of the the sacrament sacrament itself, Right, right? right? Well, let's just do a quick review to bring the people up to speed on what we've already covered in this rather lengthy article. You know, this issue of the Mass Was sort of the parade example of the problems between Rome and the Lutherans, uh, where the issue of justification by faith cropped up. You know, there was a theological issue underlying the practice of the Lord's Supper. And so there's a lot of treatment on this in the Lutheran Confessions. All right. So in Article 24 of the Apology, up to this point, Uh, Melanchthon has been making several points. He says, we Lutherans, we keep the Mass. We haven't gotten rid of it. Uh, What we don't do is we don't do private Masses where a congregation is not involved but just a priest, um, uh, particularly for pay. Um, We do not believe in ex opera operato. Warren, what does that term mean, ex opera operato?
1: That means that you're doing it, and it works by virtue of just external act of doing so so you celebrate uh the mass and whether anybody believes or not doesn't matter because it just works like a magical thing all by itself you just do it and it and it works and apart we, from faith in christ apart from faith in christ and his word and we don't believe that that is right true.
0: and the other thing that the lutherans have set up to this point is we don't do masses for the dead there's no scriptural command or promise um That, in fact, the whole purgatory thing was made up. So, uh, we don't have people pay for masses for the dead. So these are the things that we don't do. Uh, also, we distinguish between sacrament and sacrifice. Uh, Pastor Reardon, how would you explain the difference between sacrament
2: and sacrifice? I think it's a matter of the flow, kind of direction of the action. Mm-hmm. You know, a sacrament is from God to us. You okay. know, we consider that a gift. Sacrifice is from us to God, you know, something that we're doing. And we would say, we would agree that there are certain sacrifices that we do offer in a divine service. You know, the sacrifice of praise, you know, prayer. And the light calls
0: these Eucharistic sac- right. sacrifices, right. as opposed to <clears throat> an, atoning an atoning sacrifice. atoning sacrifice. Right. right. So... Um, we say that in the Lord's Supper, that is primarily the main thing, is God's sacrament. The The direction of the arrows, as you described right. it, is from God to us. That's the big thing. Yes. God delivering his gifts to us. In return, we give thanks and praise and worship and so forth. Uh But we need to keep those arrows in the proper direction. All right. I want to read, uh, before we get into the new material, just to bring our folks up to speed here, uh a couple paragraphs... I'm looking at paragraphs 42 and 43 of Article 24, where Melanchthon talks about the problem in the Roman Church regarding the Mass, and then paragraph 48, he says, here's what we do instead, all right? So, paragraphs 42 and 43, he says, the adversaries, that would be the Roman Catholic theologians, keep only the ceremony in the Mass, and publicly apply this to sacrilegious gain. What he means there is that they were taking money for doing these uh, private masses. Afterward, they misrepresent that this work, as applied for others, like masses for the dead, uh, merits grace and all good things for them. They do not teach the gospel in their sermons. They do not comfort consciences. They do not show that sins are freely forgiven for Christ's sake; rather, they present the worship of saints, human satisfactions, and human traditions, and they affirm that people are justified before God by these. So here, Melanchthon is kind of summing up the problems in the practice of the of the Mass in Rome under the Roman Church, and then in contrast to that, paragraph 48, he says what we do in our Lutheran churches. He says. On the contrary, by God's favor, our priests attend to the ministry of the word, teach the gospel about Christ's blessings, and show that the forgiveness of sins happens freely for Christ's sake. This doctrine brings sure comfort to consciences. The doctrine of good works that God commands is also added. The worth and use of the sacraments are declared. So Pastor Worth, uh, here he's talking about the worth of the sacraments. How do you see these, these, this contrast between what was going on in r- with the Roman Church and now what the Lutherans are trying to reform?
1: Okay, well, the Roman Catholic Church, without uh, the Word of God and uh, against the Word of God, were inventing things, uh, including this idea that uh, what was happening in the mass, like, like Christ died for original sins only, and that the sacrifice of the mass, when the priest would say the words of institution, this is my body, Jesus would be re-crucified in a real, though unbloody, sacrifice for the sins of the living and the dead. So that Jesus only died for original sin, the church has to keep on paying off all these other sins that people continually commit, both venial sins and mortal sins, by daily offering the sacrifice of the Mass, which then works for people, even dead people. You can apply it to other people. It has nothing to do with faith, and it's our sacrifice to God to pay for sin. And Luther says that's against the Bible. It's against what the Bible says about how salvation has been won for us, and it robs people of the comfort that is found only in the sacrifice of Christ, his once and for all sacrifice on Calvary's cross, where he paid for all sins, for all sinners forever. And that is received by faith in Christ. And so... By contrast to what the Roman Catholics were doing, the Lutherans were both celebrating the sacrament correctly as instituted by Christ as a way that the forgiveness of sins that he earned by his once-and-for-all sacrifice is then distributed. That forgiveness is distributed to be received by faith in those who come uh, repenting of their sins, believing his word of promise, and trusting in his merit and his uh, forgiveness that is then given to them through the sacrament. And what a complete difference that is. This is what brings true comfort. This is what brings peace. This is what gives people the assurance of their salvation, as opposed to this other thing that throws people back onto something we do for God, which is completely wrong.
0: You know, Pastor, very well said, Pastor Worth. Pastor Reardon, we have seen throughout, especially the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, Melanchthon has this, what I call a twofold refrain running throughout the whole thing, saying that our doctrine, A, gives all glory to Christ, the mediator, and B, gives true comfort to troubled consciences. So there's a real
2: pastoral concern here. You want to comment on that? Well, I mean, what you just said, I mean, it should be relatively self-evident. You know, we can either burden people, you know, by giving them more and more things that they have to do, you know, or in some cases in this, you know, with the payment for mass, you know, offer up a certain sum of money in order to have your relatives sprung from purgatory, you know, or for yourself in that, for that matter, you mm-hmm. know, or we can simply offer them the gospel. Of Jesus was, is 100%. It's- and
0: lest we think this was just a problem back in the, you know, 15, 20s and 30s, I know in my adult life, I have heard of and
2: known of uh Roman Catholics paying for masses for the dead. I grew up Roman Catholic and I remember doing that as a kid taking money up to church for my mom wanting to Well you, you have know, first hand knowledge of this yeah, then. Yeah right where we would offer up a certain amount of money to pay for certain masses for certain dead relatives. You don't you do know, that so, anymore, huh? No I don't I don't you know but if <laughs> anybody wants to give me their money I'll take it okay you know so but, uh, Yeah all right
0: well, yeah, I'd forgotten that about you, Steve. I mean, I yeah. see your red hair uh, and reared <laughs> yeah. into the name, so I, you clearly have a Roman Catholic background. Too. Sure,
2: right. Well, and even even things you know recently that we think have um, the things that we think have were, were kind of put to rest at the time of the Reformation are still there. Uh, a few years back, I was happened to be at a Roman Catholic bookstore, you know, and I feel a little guilty about this, but right at the checkout stand, you could buy this little card with a crucifix on it that was an indulgence. Mm. you know, and it was like five bucks or something, you know, and I, I thought, okay, I'm going to buy this just because I'm going to use this as an object lesson, mm. you know, in order to have the indulgence take root, so to speak, or be off, I guess, authenticated. You had to have a priest bless it, which I obviously have not done, you know, but it's, they're still out there with their indulgences.
0: Yeah. I remember <laughs> back in the year 2000, I was touring the St. Louis Cathedral Basilica, which is a beautiful, beautiful building. If you ever get a chance to see it, incredible mosaics in there. But I saw in one of the many uh, lobbies or narthexes, at the year 2000, there were there was a papal indulgence being offered for the Jubilee or whatever, uh, even in the year 2000. Right. So this That's is so not am. ancient history only.
2: Nope, not at all.
0: Yeah. All right, let's move on to some new material, and uh, we'll go to paragraph 52. I'll read that and then ask... Our guests some questions again you can call in with your questions or comments uh, we have the phone numbers area code uh, uh we have the toll-free number 800 730 2727 and then here in st. Louis area code 314 and then the email address kfuo at kfuo org we'd love to hear from you all right paragraph 52 they meaning the opponents the Roman Catholic theologians They, quote, also from the epistle to the Hebrews, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Chapter 5, verse 1. They conclude that, since there are high priests and priests in the New Testament, that means there is also a sacrifice for sins. This passage particularly impresses the unlearned particularly when the showiness of the priesthood and the sacrifices of the Old Testament are spread before their eyes. This resemblance deceives the ignorant so that they decide that a ceremonial sacrifice should also exist among us in the same way which should be applied for the sins of others, like in the Old Testament. The service of the Mass, according to the Roman Church, the service of the Mass and the rest the polity of the Pope, is nothing more than false zeal for the misunderstood Levitical order. Pastor Wirth, how how was the Roman Church misunderstanding the Levitical order as expressed here?
1: Okay, well, first of all, it's a complete uh, uh, misuse and twisting of what the Holy Writer is actually writing in the letter to the Hebrews. The whole point of the letter to the Hebrews is that... What the Old Testament Levitical priesthood was all about was simply pointing forward to, Mm -hmm. uh, by way of type, antitype, to the coming of Jesus, who is the one great high priest and the one perfect sacrifice that would... Uh, when he came to suffer and die on the cross and rise again, pay for all sins forever. And so that, that very passage that they're quoting from Hebrews 5 is making setting up the comparison between the Le- Levitical high priests that uh, were appointed for that position, and then it says, so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you, and again you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So then he immediately goes on to talk about Christ and his suffering and death on the cross, and that is what the real once and for all atoning sacrifice is all about. All the sacrifices of the Old Testament were really illustrations pointing forward to it as an elaborate uh, object lesson, as it were, pointing out both mankind's sin and the continual need for cleansing. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, that it would take blood sacrifice uh, of a a pure... victim to wash away those sins. And again, it wasn't the blood of bulls and goats that did that, but ultimately only the blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, uh, who is both the priest and the sacrifice combined in one. And so the whole point of the epistle to the Hebrews is that uh, now that Christ has come, the other is done away with. There's no need for the Levitical priesthood, no need for the temple, the animal sacrifices. That's all done away because of Christ's once and for all sacrifice on the cross, whereby he paid for all sins forever. So what they were trying to do just completely turns everything topsy-turvy. So talking about every high priest chosen from among men is pointing backward to the Old Testament, not pointing forward to... to the time after the resurrection. And so just,
0: just because there's a mention of priests or high priest in Hebrews, uh, there, there is quite a stretch uh, to then justify what they are doing. Pastor Reardon, I'll get to you when I read now paragraphs 53 and 54, because Melanchthon here continues along the same line about the Levitical priesthood and then what uh, the New Testament teaches. Paragraphs 53 and 54. The main proofs for our belief are in are in. The epistle to the hebrews yet the adversaries twist mutilated passages from this epistle against us as in this very passage where it is said that every high priest is ordained to offer sacrifices for sins scripture immediately adds that christ is the high priest hebrews 5 verses 5 and 6 and 10. the preceding words speak about the levitical priesthood and show that the Levitical priesthood was an image of Christ's priesthood. The the Levitical sacrifices for sins did not merit the forgiveness of sins before God. They were only an image of Christ's sacrifice, which was to be the one atoning sacrifice, as we said before. To a great extent, the epistle, Hebrews, speaks about how the ancient priesthood and the ancient sacrifices were set up not to merit the forgiveness of sins before God or reconciliation but only to illustrate the future sacrifice of Christ alone. Pastor
2: Reardon, what what is what is this term Levitical priesthood? Can you explain that a little bit? What's well, talking about what was established in the Old Testament, those who were uh, you know, the tribe of Levi basically. Yeah, one of the 12 tribes. In, right. And and so they were designated to be you know that group from which they would pull their priests from through,
0: through Aaron, the line of right Aaron. through the line
2: of Aaron. Yeah, and so they were the ones who took care of all the ceremonial laws, the sacrifices, a you know, tabernacle, at the, and later at the, the temple. Right, at the temple, um, and so they would do the sacrifices for sins. I mean, you can go back and take a look at you know Leviticus and see you know all the various sacrifices and things what that were what
0: were these sac? What of what nature were these sacrifices? What did they sacrifice?
2: Well, some, you know, it depended, you know, there, there would be, you know, the, I, the larger sacrifices of goats and bulls and things like that. You know, there would be smaller sacrifices, uh, doves, mm-hmm. you know, birds. There would be grain offerings right. as well that would be different
0: w- types for different situations, For different
2: situations. But, but again, to, to kind of reiterate what Pastor Worth said is that all this was to be done pointing forward to faith in christ or the christ who was to come you know that inherently they didn't have any value in and of themselves you know uh, apart from what was out in the future with christ you know and what he was going to be bringing and that was the fulfillment of it now you said that the high priest came from the line of aaron
0: who was from the tribe of levi is there a high priest in the new
2: testament yeah the high priest is jesus but you know. what tribe does he come from <laughs> That he is from the tribe of Judah, so he's not a Levitical
0: priest. No, he's and in fact, the author of the Hebrews makes this point. He has a unique priesthood, kind of along the lines of this mysterious figure Melchizedek right, right. in the Old Testament, showing that Christ has a one of a kind priesthood right. that is distinct from and superior to the um, priests and the sacrifices of the Old Testament. Right? How often did the the Bulls and goats have to get sacrificed in the Old Testament. Well, it was
2: daily. Daily, you know, There's right? there a daily sacrifice, you know. And in addition to that, you had all the sacrifices, you know, that would come from people coming to deal with their own particular sins.
0: So, how co- <laughs> I bet if I went out to your church there in uh, in Grover, St. Paul's in Grover, this sunny morning, I thinking you probably will not be offering up a a lamb or bull or goat on your altar.
2: I will not be, and I thank God that I do not have to.
0: (laughs) It was like a bloody butcher shop with smoke and everything. So uh, the point being that Christ has made the last sacrifice needed. That's All these repeated sacrifices, by the very fact that they had to be repeated, showed they never got the job done. Correct. But they pointed ahead, as Pastor Worth said, to the one, once and for all, Perfect sacrifice that Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, has made. Ian, how much time we got before our break? How many? 30 seconds. Okay. Anything you want to add to that, Pastor Worth?
1: Yeah, just quickly, maybe our listeners can pay attention to the fact that the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed in the year 70 A.D. Mm -hmm. And it has never been rebuilt. So the temple is gone. The priesthood is gone. The sacrifices are done. And if you say, you know, well, what changed? Well, the coming of Jesus Christ, his perfect life, suffering, death, and resurrection. That's what made all the difference. That's why we don't need to keep offering animal sacrifices. But instead, having received the reconciliation from his once and for all sacrifice, now we offer up the sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise, as we'll go on to talk about.
0: And in fact, when Jesus completed his sacrifice on the cross and yelled, it is finished to tell us I what happened at that very time in the temple the temple the curtain was curtain torn. torn in two meaning it's fulfilled its purpose uh, that's the shadow the substance is Christ and that's why we don't do animal sacrifices anymore Christ has made the once and for all sacrifice for your sins dear listener we'll be back in a minute here on KFUO with Concord Matters
1: Keeping track of your benefits can be a challenge. Not anymore if you're a member of Concordia Plan Services. On your new personal portal, you can find all your health and financial benefits in one place. See your projected annual pension income and 403B balance. Check your healthcare coverage details and much more. Join thousands of your colleagues and register at concordiaplans.org slash my account. It's easy and intuitive. That's concordiaplans.org slash my account.
2: Your family gathers to celebrate your retirement from a career of over 40 years. Tears of joy for your newborn child are mixed with tears of sadness as you hear the sobering diagnosis. You softly smile to hide your sorrow as you watch your wife struggle to remember your daughter's name. Whatever your season in life, whatever your joys or struggles, Christ is for you. Hear the gospel message daily on KFUO.
1: What you'll hear may be the first talk radio broadcast in the U.S. It took place on Christmas Eve, 1906.
2: Good evening. I will play O Holy Night on the violin, followed by a short passage from the Bible. The ships of the
1: U.S. Navy were used to receiving a Morse code message, but for the first time, they heard a human voice on their receivers, that of scientist Reginald Fessenden, who studied under Thomas Edison. After playing Handel's Largo from his phonograph,
0: he played O Holy Night on his violin and ended by reading a passage from Luke 2 about a day in Bethlehem when Jesus was born.
2: And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Engage
1: with the Bible and all its impact over the centuries. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C.
0: We are back here on Concord Matters on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. We've been talking about uh, the Mass, the divine service of word and sacrament, Um the differences between the Roman Catholic Church and the Lutherans. And um, so we have a, and our guest in studio is Pastor uh, Steve Reardon from uh, St. Paul in Wildwood. And then on the phone, we have Pastor Warren Worth from Good Shepherd and Arnold. We have an emailed in question here from Steve in Morgan Hill, California. Brothers, here it is. He says, Hi, love your show. Was wondering if LCMS members can participate in Holy Communion at a Roman Catholic church, and vice versa. What are the main reasons we would not participate in the sacrament? If this is a gift from God, I would think we could participate. I'll start with you, Pastor Reardon, since you are a a former Roman Catholic. Uh, (laughs) Do you uh, advise your... Congregational members there at uh, St. Paul in Wildwood, that if they are visiting a Roman Catholic Church, that they could participate in the, in Holy Communion there.
2: I do not, because there's kind of two aspects that are going on with Holy Communion. You know, there is our vertical relationship that we have with God, what is going on between us and God. And then also the horizontal relationship that is going on with everybody who comes to the altar, or to the table that day. You know, and so what you end up having is, is that the, the, there's a confession that is being made about what is actually occurring at that altar when you come forward and the Roman Catholic Confession is that what has just occurred is a sacrifice of Jesus once again for sin you know and so when you come forward and receive communion you are in agreement or expressing through your actions that you're in agreement with what is happening at that altar and we're not you know mm-hmm. we we obviously do not believe that same thing that our a churches are not in fellowship and we're not in fellowship so I do not advise my people to commune communicate Roman Catholic altars.
0: How about you, Pastor Worth? What are your thoughts on Steve's question? It's a good question.
1: It's a very good question, very thoughtful, and uh, and the point uh, is well taken. But as as uh, Pastor Reardon correctly said, we would not take communion with people who do not believe, teach, confess the same teaching of God's Word. It is the Lord's Supper, and so the Lord is the one who tells us what it is, what's happening there, and who should receive it, and he warns against receiving it the wrong way. He also, in his Word, through the Apostle Paul, in Romans 16 says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. And uh, so we, we would see the false teaching in the Roman Catholic Church as causing divisions and putting obstacles in the way of the people of God who, as we heard already in the the time of the Lutheran Confessions, people who need to hear the comfort of the gospel instead are pointed to their own works. Instead of receiving what Jesus did once and for all and gives to us in the sacrament, instead they're pointed to something they have to do in order to earn God's grace and favor. So these uh, things are absolutely against the gospel. Yeah. And, and and that's and it, while it grieves us, you know, that there are divisions in Christendom, um, it's it's because of the false teaching that we must stand firm for the truth and in love say to to the other person, We would love to have you at the Lord's table with us, but first let's sit down and study the Word of God together, and come to full agreement on what the Bible is all about, especially on the doctrine of how we are saved, how we're justified, forgiven by God, and what the Lord's Supper is all about. And when we can come to agreement on what the Bible says on these things, then taking communion together will be what it is meant to be, Mm -hmm. both in terms of the vertical and the horizontal dimensions, as Pastor Reardon said.
0: Yeah, and uh, when you commune at someone's altar, you're saying, yes by your action uh, to what all is taught at that church. And our churches are not in agreement on very important matters of the faith. So the first thing to do is if if we're going to commune at each other's churches, let's see if we can come to an agreement in uh, in our doctrine and practice, and we're not there regrettably. We're not saying we're superior people to the Roman Catholics by no means. There are many who outshine us in their piety and, and and good life uh but we're just saying there's a difference here in the teaching of the faith um unfortunately so
2: well and, and also i mean there's it's more than just what's going on between me and god at that yeah. moment you know it's what's going on between me and god and all the rest of the people who are there also yeah and you know, we can't we can't forget that like i said before that horizontal aspect of what's going on in the sacrament it's an expression of unity yeah
0: now i i sympathize with steve from morgan hill what this question is saying, because I know that there was a time in my life when I said to myself, well, I know what I believe rightly about the Lord's Supper. So here it's being offered at that church. So I, at least they may not understand it, but at least I understand it correctly. But then the, the point about you're saying yes to what they confess when you commune at their, that altar. And now I realize that would not be a good move. Correct. But, all right. Thank you, Steve. That was an excellent question. Uh, Let's get back to uh, the new material, paragraph 55 of Article 24, the Mass. In the Old Testament, saints had to be justified by faith, meaning believers. Saints had to be justified by faith, which receives the promise of the forgiveness of sins granted uh, granted for Christ's sake, just as saints are also justified in the New Testament. From the beginning of the world, all saints had to believe that Christ would be the promised offering and satisfaction for sins, as Isaiah 53 teaches, uh, when his soul makes an offering for sin. So, uh, Pastor Worth, is there a difference in how people are put right with God? Uh, Like, was it that Abraham or David or Moses we're justified by works but now in the new testament we get an easier deal we're justified by faith or now nowadays it's just by being a nice person so how are people put right with god in different ages
1: there's always only been one way so old testament new testament Uh, the past, the present, the future, there's only one way, and Jesus is that way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So for the Old Testament people of God... Yeah, how could they have believed in Christ who came later? Okay, by virtue of the promises that God made already when Adam and Eve fell into sin, God immediately promised the coming of the Savior who would be the seed of the woman who had crushed the serpent's head and himself being wounded in the process. And so uh, all of the promises that God made from Adam and Eve onward through all the holy prophets in the Old Testament talked about the coming of the Messiah, who would be the suffering servant, who would uh, make his soul an offering for sin, who would bear our iniquities and be bruised for our transgressions, wounded for us, so that by his wounds we would be healed. All of those promises came true in Jesus. So they believed in the Jesus who was to come, trusting God's promise. You and I believe in the Jesus who has come, as God did promise, and who is coming again.
0: So are you saying there is gospel in the Old Testament?
1: Lots of it. Thank (laughs) the Lord for that.
0: And you're saying that, like, Abraham was a
1: Christian? Moses was a Christian? (laughs) Yes, they believed in the Christ, the promised Messiah, and so in that regard, absolutely.
0: Very good, very good. All right, uh, Pastor Reardon, I'll get back to you now on paragraphs 56 and 57. In the Old Testament, sacrifices did not merit reconciliation, except as a picture, for they merited civil reconciliation, but they illustrated the coming sacrifice. This means that Christ is the only sacrifice— applied on behalf of the sins of others. Therefore, in the New Testament, no sacrifices left to be applied for the sins of others, except the one sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. Those who imagine that Levitical sacrifices merited the forgiveness of sins before God, and by this example, require sacrifices in the New Testament that are to be applied on behalf of others, in addition to Christ's death, are completely mistaken. This imagination absolutely destroys the merit of Christ's passion and the righteousness of faith, and it corrupts the doctrine of the Old and New Testaments. Instead of Christ, it makes for us other mediators and atonement makers out of the priests and sacrificers who daily sell their work in the churches. So, Pastor Reardon, how did, and maybe does, the Roman system diminish the one atoning sacrifice made by Christ.
2: Well, I mean, first of all, just, it just absolutely contradicts the message that you see in the book of Hebrews, you know, that talks about Christ being the sacrifice once for all, you know, and the only sacrifice for atonement. You know, so it's, it's a flat-out contradiction of what you see there, you know, but also it just simply diminishes as it puts forth another way or another method by which one can be justified. You know, um, if you kind of think about this in mathematical terms, you know, if we say that salvation is 100%, you know, we as Lutherans would argue that you put the cross on the other side. Of the equation or the equal sign, you know, we say the cross equals 100%. By definition, if you say there is something else added to the cross, you were saying that it is less than 100%. And so. And
0: if, therefore, the thing that you're adding, let's say Jesus did 90% of it,
2: right? Either
0: at the start or at the end, that 10% is up to you or the priest or something. Now, now you're introducing uncertainty. Absolutely. So?
2: Well, and even if you say it's 1%, let's just go yeah. with 1%. Let's say Jesus did 99% of it. You know, and I say you're, it's up to you now to do 1% to make the rest of the way. Who's, who is really ultimately the one responsible for their salvation? It is now you. The decisive. Right, factor. exactly. Because if you don't complete whatever that 1% would be, and how do you know what that 1% would be? You oh, know, or if you've reached it. Or if you've reached it, it means, it means that, you know, you, you, are completely unsure of whether or not you've actually attained 100% salvation, and God wants us to be sure of our salvation. Right. That's pretty good news. Yeah, it is. I mean, and it is the benefit of the gospel is that it is something that is objective. Okay, you know, Christ died for all sins. You know, and the fact that it is ob- objective means that it is apart from any um insecurities that I might have about myself and my own particular spiritual condition at the moment you know and jesus died outside of myself and so i can look to him and see that my salvation is perfect because it is not dependent upon me in any way very
0: good very good all right uh, warren i'm going to read now paragraphs 58 and 59 and then i'll come back to you if anyone argues that in the new testament a priest is needed to make offering for sins this can only be said about christ The entire epistle to the Hebrews confirms this explanation. In addition to Christ's death, if we were to look for any other satisfaction that applies to the sins of others, and so to reconcile God, this would be nothing more than to make other mediators in addition to Christ. The priesthood of the New Testament is the Spirit's ministry, as Paul teaches 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6. So it has only Christ's one sacrifice, which is enough and applies to the sins of others. Besides, this priesthood has no sacrifices like the Levitical order, which could be applied by the outward act, there's that phrase, ex opera operato, to others. Rather, it offers the gospel and the sacraments to others so that they may conceive faith and the Holy Spirit through them and be brought from death to life. So, the Spirit's ministry conflicts with the application of an outward act, opus operatum. The Spirit's ministry is that is that through which the Holy Spirit is powerful in hearts. Therefore, this ministry is beneficial to others when it is powerful in them and regenerates and enlivens them. This does not happen by applying someone's work to another. So, Pastor Wirth, We've talked about the one atoning sacrifice of Christ. What is the Holy Spirit's role now in applying Christ's sacrifice to us?
1: That's an excellent question, and uh, Scripture answers that question for us, the work of the Holy Spirit is to work through the gospel, the word of God, and through that word of God, as it's connected to tangible things such as baptism and the body and blood of Christ in the Lord's Supper, and through them he works in the hearts of people repentance and faith. And the faith that he works in us is not faith in us or our work or our merit, our doing something, even going to Mass uh, or even saying Mass if you're the, the priest, but rather it's faith in what Jesus has already done once and for all for us, that we may receive through the sacraments and the word, what Jesus did once and for all on the cross. So word and sacrament would be the delivery system that the Holy Spirit uses to distribute and impart to us the forgiveness of sins, the reconciliation, the peace with God, all of that, the justification of sinners that comes from what Jesus did once and for all.
0: I like your term delivery system. Whenever I do catechesis, the instruction in the faith using the catechism and we go in the creed from the second article to the third article, I always put this diagram on the dry erase board. I put the cross with Jesus on the cross in the year 30 approximately in Jerusalem. And then I, I put that at the left of the board and then I draw a long timeline over to the right side of the board and I draw a little stick figure of Whoever the person is in uh, my catechism class I want to pick on and <laughs> say this is a uh, 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 Joe here, and so how does what Jesus did on the cross get to Joe in the year twenty eighteen in the town of bonterre because uh, he's not Joe is not in Jerusalem in the year thirty he's in bonterre in the year twenty eighteen Then I take the marker and I draw an arrow from the cross of Christ over to Joe. And then above that, I put things like Holy Spirit, third article of the creed, word and sacrament, means of grace. And I say, the the ministry of the church, the ministry of word and sacrament is the means through which the Holy Spirit delivers the gifts Christ won at the cross to
2: your doorstep with your name on it. Uh, Pastor Reardon, do you, explain it, something like that. Yeah, very similar. I, I have to to echo what Professor Norman Nagel used to say about this, you know, and he would say that, okay, how do we get the goods, you know, and we get the goods through word and sacrament, through the means of grace, is how, how he gets them to us. And and so we get the benefit of the gifts that way.
0: And the receiving <laughs> is simply saying thank you for giving me the gifts.
2: Right, right. yes. Yeah. That's
0: what faith is. Yes. It's just the, the receiving, not what you've done, but just Thanking God for what he's given you is a free gift. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. And that comes, you know, we, when people would say, well, how can water do such great things? Or how can eating and drinking do such great things? It always comes back to it's the word of God right. that he himself connected with that external, tangible thing. His water creative word. Exactly, and it's the word, that word of promise, that makes it so. Just as if I take a blank check, it's just a piece of paper. But if I write on it your name and an amount, say $1,000, and sign it Oh, my thank name, you, Warren. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, that piece of paper has value because of the promise that's attached. And that's the way it is with the water of baptism, the way it is with the the eating and drinking in the Lord's Supper, God himself, by his word of promise, has attached great things to those uh, tangible things so that through them and through our reception of those, believing his word of promise, we Mm -hmm. receive what is promised, namely the forgiveness of sins. Thank you.
2: Uh, let's I'm, I'm going to borrow go that, ahead. by the way. No, I was going to say I'm going to borrow that. I've never, I've never heard this check analogy before. Check, yeah. I, if, Warren, if you don't mind, I'm going to plagiarize you. you know, okay, so, go for it. Right, I will. Very good.
0: You know uh, what is it? Originality is just creative plagiarism. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Paragraph sixty. We have shown why the mass does not justify by the outward act ex opera operato, and why, when applied to others, uh, like doing a Mass for the dead or something, Uh, why, when applied to others, it does not merit forgiveness. This is because both conflict with the righteousness of faith. For it is impossible that sins should be forgiven and the terrors of death and sin be overcome by anything other than faith in Christ, according to Romans 5, verse 1, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. The main point in that paragraph, obviously, is that what the opponents were neglecting was the idea and the the, the, the importance of faith. They just said by doing the outward act, apart from faith, you're justified. But Melanchthon here is saying that the promise, the gift, is received by faith. So let's go on to paragraph 61 and 62. Also, we have shown that the scriptures, which are quoted against us, do not approve the godless opinion of the adversaries about the outward act, opus operatum. Every person everywhere can determine this. Therefore, Thomas's error is to be rejected. He wrote, quote, "...that the body of the Lord, once offered on the cross for original debt, is continually offered for daily offenses on the altar, in order that, in this, the church might have a service by which to reconcile God to herself." now we hear the name Thomas maybe you're thinking of the Apostle Thomas that is not the one being referred to uh,
1: and Pastor Worth, have you uh, looked up who this Thomas is? Sure, this would be Thomas Aquinas. And he lived about what year? He, he lived in the 1200's, so about yeah. 300 years before the time of Martin Luther and he's well known as a very influential philosopher and theologian in the Roman Catholic Church, one of the scholastic theologians mm-hmm. and uh, this is one of the things that he wrote is absolutely awful because it goes against what the Bible teaches, against the gospel, and invents uh, an entirely new idea that the church is supposed to offer these sacrifices to pay for sins, as we've been saying. And, uh, and so uh, Melanchthon correctly says, we reject this. We reject his error. He is absolutely wrong because he's against what the Bible teaches. He's against the gospel. He's against what Christ says.
0: You know, this Thomas Aquinas was a very, he's kind of like Calvin, a very smart fellow, and wrote some good things. Uh, But, you know, he's sort of the, he let philosophical reason trump overshadow biblical truth uh, when he said some stupid or wrong things. Uh, He had some good things to say. In fact, we have one of his hymns in our hymnal, um, uh, hymn number 640, Thee We Adore, O Hidden Savior. And it's good. Uh, and it is, his years here, 1225 to 1274. So, um, Pastor, uh, Reardon, do you have anything to add about this era of Thomas Aquinas?
2: Well, I mean, just, just overall, you kind of echoing a little bit again about what, uh, what Warren was just saying, you know, is that, you know, th- this idea that we have to re-sacrifice Christ every day and that, you know, the, uh the the sacrifice of christ was only good for original sin you know really again diminishes what christ actually accomplished on the cross you know which was total and complete salvation
0: mm-hmm. very good all right and then uh, melanchthon lists some other errors uh, of the opponents in uh in paragraph 63 and following the other common errors are also to be rejected such as the mass by the outward act ex opera operato gives grace to the one using it we've talked about that or that when the mass is applied for others even wicked persons provided they do not introduce an obstacle it merits the forgiveness of sins guilt and punishment for them and so we talked about purchasing masses for others and so forth um, in sort of a mechanical way apart from faith in the promise Um, uh, all these things are false and godless and are recently invented by unlearned monks they cloud over the glory of christ's passion and the righteousness of faith paragraph 64 some more errors from these errors sprang countless others such as masses benefit when applied for many just as much as when applied individually uh, the philosophers have particular degrees of merit just as money changers have varying weights for gold or silver uh steve i remember uh, Pastor, uh, uh, Professor Nagel saying, no mathematics. You know, uh, in the way of the gospel, you right. get the whole, it's always the whole thing and always more.
2: Right, 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 right. That we can measure. Yeah, and whenever you enter into the realm of the mathematics, actually, you're entering into the realm of the law. Yeah, yeah. Know, so.
0: so when Christ forgives you,
2: it's the whole lot and
0: right, even more. Right, Uh Continuing in 64, besides, they sell the mass as the cost for receiving what one seeks, merchants pay so that business may be prosperous, hunters so that hunting may be successful, and countless other things. So apparently you could have a mass set not just for your dead relative in purgatory, but so you'll have a successful business, kind of like a good luck charm or
2: amulet or something. Yeah, obviously I've read this before, but it struck me when I read it this time that this is the prosperity gospel today in a sense you know except that the payment now is not necessarily money but it is you pay with faith the stronger your faith the more faith you have the more successful you'll be in your Mm -hmm. life if you just believe hard enough
0: then it goes on finally they also apply to the dead we talked about masses for the dead by applying the sacrament they free souls from the pain of purgatory even though the mass does not even help the living without faith the adversaries are unable to produce even one syllable from the scriptures to defend these fables, which they teach with great authority in the church. They do not have the testimonies of the ancient church or of the fathers. Warren, anything on these errors? What uh, jumped out at you?
1: Well, again, it just one thing after another. It's almost like dominoes. You you, you you just One thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. So you go astray, saying that Christ didn't die for all sins. He only died for some sins. So we have to do something to make up for the rest of the sins. That means daily sacrifices. Oh, and then we're going to apply those automatically for other people. So it happens uh, ex-operado. It happens just by doing the outward act, whether you believe it or not, and also you can apply it to somebody else, like dead relatives, and then, oh, you're going to start a new business? Hey, well, give me some money. I'll say mass so your business succeeds. Oh, you're going to go hunting? Hey, pay me some money. I'll say mass for you so you get something. You know, it just one error leads to another. The devil was having such a good time uh, leading people away from Christ, and that's the last word that he has in that paragraph. It's without a syllable of Scripture. Without what the ancient church or the fathers taught, people have invented these things and people have fallen for it hook, line, and sinker.
0: Now, Pastor Reardon, in the face of all of these errors, I'm kind of astounded and happy that somehow Luther and Melanchthon and these boys we're able to rescue the, the sacrament from all these accretions.
2: I, I agree, you know, and I think what it really all boils down to is that what the Reformers brought back is the idea that the divine service is supposed to be about comfort or that the Mass is supposed to be about comfort. It's supposed to be about the delivery of gifts you know, and not more work that you are supposed to do.
0: Pastor Worth, I'm, I'm sure you are very delighted every time you get to offer the sacrament for people
1: and receive it myself for the forgiveness of my sins, too.
0: Dear friends, it's all about Jesus. When you lose sight of that, you're introducing all kinds of problems into the church. We are the messenger of good news here at KFUO, and uh, I'll be seeing you in uh, January on our next next time I'm hosting and also be listening to the 12 Days of Christmas uh, starting on December 25th here on the worldwide messenger of good news, KFUO.